Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. And when you're ready, you can slowly close your eyes. And it's fine to listen to my voice guiding you or to tune the volume down and have silence. Both are fine, whatever you feel. So as you close your eyes or come into a soft gaze, let's take a moment just to sense and feel the body sitting right now, either on a cushion or a chair. Just sensing the body, the felt sensation of sitting automatically brings us into the present moment. So feeling the soles of the feet, the toes touch the earth, the floor, that felt sense. Noticing where your legs are. How the bottom of the thighs touch the chair or the cushion. The felt sensation there. The buttocks and the low back. Allowing your body just to drop, relax, sink into gravity. And noticing where your hands are. Are they touching or touching your thigh? Moving your awareness to the top of the head, the forehead. Noticing any tension, stress, holding, tightness in the forehead. Allowing the eyes to soften and Drop back and even sense the touch of the eyelid. And if you like taking a nice soothing long inhale and breathing in some fresh energy into the muscles around the eyes, the forehead. And on the exhale, softening and letting go.
noticing any tension or stress in the cheekbone, the upper jawbone, the nasal cavity, the muscles around the mouth, places where we hold tension and tightness so often. And if you like on each exhale, allowing the muscles in the face to soften, relax, drop. Breathing in ease and calm. bringing the same awareness to the back of the neck and the shoulders. And again, allowing yourself to breathe in some fresh energy into the neck, the shoulders, the upper back. And on the exhale, softening, dropping, letting go, or just allowing whatever sensations are present to be present. Allowing the heart and the chest to soften. the belly to soften. You can even scan the body from the tip of the toes to the top of the head. Notice any tightness or holding, achiness. Give this body permission as best as you can. To sink into the earth in ease. Breathing in some ease and breathing out some calm. And if you like to use the breath as an anchor, see where the breath calls to you. Maybe you're sensing the airflow at the tip of the nostrils.
or the rib cage, the movement of that rib cage, expanding and contracting. Or maybe in the area of the belly. Letting your awareness really sense the full expansion of the belly and the contraction of the belly, the whole belly. Feeling the space inside the belly to the back of the spine. the sit bones. Wherever the breath is most apparent to you, allow your awareness to dwell, to hover. this subtle, sweet movement of the breath. Noticing that subtle movement of that inhale. just as it begins and allowing awareness to hover, to hold that breath, that inhale. Until it turns to that exhale. Sounds happen, hearing happens. Thoughts come and go. Sensations come and go. Finding the breath and coming back to each moment of the breath. As an anchor, without a judgment. Allowing relaxation to soften efforting and wanting.
Allowing relaxation to soothe this body and mind. Riding the breath like a wave. And bringing the mind back gently when it wanders off. And binding the breath one more time.
Allow yourself to come back to the breath.
And for the last few moments of our sit, allow yourself to sense and feel the body again. The whole body sitting, bringing awareness and consciousness to this whole body, the feet and legs, hips, torso, arms, head. And as you transition from eyes closed to eyes open, see if you can hold the awareness of the body. Noticing, looking, and hearing. So welcome back. Good to see you all. So before most of you came on, I was enthusiastically, as each face came on the screen, I was saying that, oh, there's, <laughs> all right, there's Kai and there's Anthony, you know, and someone said um, it felt like we were back in romper room, like, uh, dating themselves. And I had um, the name Romper Room. I was like, Romper Room, I vaguely remember that, right? And then we started meditating and I realized that I was on Romper Room. <laughs> and um, I just wanna adjust my screen so I can see you all. And uh, one of the most terrifying moments of my early childhood was being on Romper Room. So anyway, um, but it does bring us to the subject today. Um, and the title of the talk is uh, Mindful Speech in Difficult Times. You may relate to that. And uh, this definitely relates to that moment. And, and many of you may have had that moment where you're joining a group on Zoom and the faces appear on the screen. Notice that moment of enthusiasm, joy, nurturance, unless it's a work meeting, maybe not. But you know, generally, right? Notice the joy of seeing kindred spirits and how the heart expands and fills. So our relationships right now are particularly important 
for our mental health and for our well-being um, and for our capacity and our practice. It's a, it's a big thing to have Sangha, even virtual Sangha, and to be present, so deeply present for relationship. And even though we're not in the same room, one can almost feel the field of caring, this field of being. And so I wanna to speak to that a little bit today. But even in this moment, it's kind of hard to talk. Because I, I feel I haven't been with you in a few weeks and there's just so much joy in being with you, it's full enough. The words are extra. I almost don't want them. I just want to feel the field of my fellow meditators and my lovely Sangha, our lovely Sangha. And before I start, I want to say um, that on my heart is the name Jacob Blake and his family and the injustice in our country that continues unfortunately, way too often. And the metta loving kindness, the uh, fruits of our practice today surround this man, this community, his family, his children, and um, the suffering that continues in hope that one day we won't have to say another name. So a couple of months ago, I took a uh, meditation retreat at home online. And one of the teachers was Thierry Sala. And I don't know if any of you have heard her yet. And she told this beautiful story uh, that I want to tell you as a way to start this. I also want to say that I'm going to be leaving you earlier than later. Uh, there's a training at Inside LA that I need to attend that's mandatory. So Don will be um, helping guide you through the sit and the dialogue. And I won't be here for the end and I'm very sorry about that and, and already missing everyone. If you have a question, because this is a subject that is going to take weeks to unpack, I won't address everything today. If you have a question, put the question in the chat box and Don will keep the questions and the next talk that we give on this subject or I give on this subject, I will incorporate into the answer. So I welcome your questions and we'll continue the dialogue. I'm also doing a class on Tuesday mornings for Insight LA for four weeks on this subject. And if you're available, come join us. And there are scholarships for the class. And hopefully on Wednesday, September 16th in the evening, we can do some practice together as a community um, on the subject of mindful speech and mindful communication in difficult times. So there'll be um, lots of opportunities to explore this subject because it's quite deep. So let me start with the story that Tere told, or Tere. She was talking about being a young mom uh, and homeless, living in a homeless shelter with a small toddler, her son who was maybe five at the time, five or six, I think about five, and an infant. And what would happen 
is every morning she would have to get dressed in the shelter, get them ready. Um, and the, her son would ask her if they had time to go downstairs, she would get coffee and he would get his hot cocoa or a, a cocoa drink. He really looked forward to that. And she would remind him, yes, we can go and we can get the cocoa and the coffee. And he keeps saying, mama, can we get the coffee? He'd call it coffee. And she talked about going to this little shop, getting the cocoa and coffee and sitting at the bus stop in the city. I think it was Seattle. Um, very early in the morning, like six in the morning, because they were going to get on a bus and drop the baby off at a caregiver and then get on another bus and drop the, her little boy off to school. And then she would get on another bus to work a full day and then come back and do the same thing again. She'd say, she said in this story how she first understood mindfulness in the moments of sitting on the bench at the bus station at six in the morning with her young son. That's how she learned mindfulness and uh, concentration and being present, present moment awareness. And she said she still remembers today, even though her son is an adult, just sitting together on this bench in the bus station in the quietness of the morning and how he savored sharing the coffee and the cocoa. And he would ask his little boy questions that little children do. You know, why are there wheels on a bus? Why are there stars in the sky? Why are crayons different colors? You know, any question at all, but that pristine, beautiful sense of being there being in the moment as it is, fully and completely with another, engaged, absorbed. And she said the quality of that time with him, it was like the city would sparkle and the air would be crisp and the tone of his voice would pull her in. And I feel like she really captured the beauty of practice off the cushion, in the world, even when the conditions are not ideal and they're difficult, we can still practice. And most importantly, we can practice in relationship to another. And as we do that, we are filled, nurtured, nourished, and deepening. And that intimacy opens the heart. So our capacity to practice is not just a cushion practice, as we say, it's also relational. And I wanted to um, talk about just some of the things that are going on right now in our relational practice in the time of civic unrest, in the time of COVID, in the time of so much uncertainty. It's also a good time 
to bring awareness, mindful awareness into our relationship with others. And so even though it's not always so easy to be together, um, we're more isolated right now and the time does count. And I also notice how frequently now um, it's a time of differences of other. You know, um, you don't have to go far in your community, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your families to have a difference. You know, um, you must wear a mask. I don't want to wear a mask. You need to be six feet. I don't want to. I take risks. I don't take risks. Schools should open. No, they shouldn't open. Um, it goes on and on and on. Um, and you see differences arising with families, communities, neighborhoods, coworkers, employers, uh, in our political realm, the hugest gaps and differences. Many of us are finding that we don't want to talk to certain people in our neighborhood or family or community because of their beliefs. We're angry about it. We're frightened about it. And yet, um, and we are creating a lot of othering, you know, your belief and my belief. And our practice is an opportunity to learn how we can speak across the divide of disagreement. It's our challenge to speak, to be present across the divide of disagreement with presence, with calm, as difficult as it is not to shut another out. It's a great challenge. I can't say I've mastered it. I can't say I look forward to it, but I know the importance of maintaining open dialogue and communication as best as we can, and at least open heart. Our world needs it. We can't stop talking to each other. And if you notice, um, and I want to say one more thing about it, bringing it personal um, right now, which is um, I, I was at a meeting at work, actually, and the differences in what is safe, just what is safe, what's needed, what's okay. There were so many different views and so much anger and fear that wasn't there six or seven months ago. You know, we were much more cohesive and we're not now. And I wonder what's happening in your world similarly. You know, even on my block in the neighborhood, should the school open or not? Should they have, are there masks? Should, what should the teachers do? It goes on and on and on. This is a great point to practice in the midst of conflict, in the midst of not unease, you know, in the midst of our anger to find that equanimity and balance and come back to the present moment. This is a gift 
while we're trying to figure out so much uncertainty. And in truth, you know, a great way to um, bring awareness of practice of mindfulness is to the communication that we have. We're communicating internally from the minute we wake up and we're communicating externally all day long. There's chatter. I wake up at five or 5.30 and the mind starts talking. It's just yammering. You know, you gotta do this, you gotta do that. Remember to call this, call that. I don't want to, I don't want to, let me sleep. You know, it goes on and on. The quality of that communication internally is important. And um, the way we talk to ourselves internally really affects the quality of our lives and the quality of our peace, the quality of our being there. And the way we talk to others similarly can make or break relationships, can deepen intimacy, can deepen agreement and cooperation and understanding or we can easily hurt and alienate. So what we say counts and we can bring our awareness to what we say. Not that easy, a constant reminder, but this is a great way to practice awareness to what we say. It can literally change our lives. And our relationships, our friendships, our family relationships, significant others, siblings, children, neighbors, can eat. they're a great source of love, understanding, contact, intimacy. It's the sweetness and the sharing and the love of being together. But it's so easy to bring misunderstanding and hurt. It's easy to tune people out, to be impatient or kind of lazy and not listen, or to rush, um, or to be dismissive or reactive, to lose our patience. And very often our relationships boil, can boil down to something really trivial that you're arguing over, like who didn't do the laundry or who left a burnt toast in the toaster. Byron Katie, um, a, one of our contemporary spiritual teachers tells this wonderful story about um, when her children were growing up, she was constantly picking up stray socks in the living room. And she would tell them to stop leaving their dirty socks or their stray socks in the living room. And they wouldn't. And she would become more and more enraged and contracted with them. And one day she realized my whole field of awareness and consciousness is now about the stray sock. I am the sock, right? And, and very often we lose the scope of our beingness with others over needing to be right or needing something to go our way or needing to make that point or wanting them to be different. And we lose the beauty of being with another so quickly. All we are is our irritation or our grievance. Some of us get lost in so in the desire of wanting others to be different. Anybody have that moment where you've wanted someone to be different from who they were? 
or their behavior to be different than who they are. We spend a lot of airtime just trying to concoct ways to get them to be different or to go over our resentment of why they're not different, why they're not doing it our way, the way we see. Some of us have actually a PhD on how others could be better. We just know, we know how they could be better. And if they would only pause and listen, we could, we'll fix it. We're sure. We've got it. So we have made our relationships into a demand, an internal demand we're not always conscious or aware of, of the way I want it the way I want the world to be. But on the other side of this, if we can just pause a bit and get out of that rushed, frenetic, not paying attention with the agenda kind of way, we often conduct ourselves and we don't mean to, but we do. One of my um, patients said something really lovely and it just reminded me. She said, you know, I'm sheltering in place with my mom. I'm so grateful. I adore my mom. She's my best friend. She's a cool person. And I don't want to hear the sound of her voice anymore. You know, it's like, it's so easy to be aversive to the other you know, to be irritated. And the Buddhist teachings teach us that irritation is not out there, it's in here. It's not out there, it's right in here. And it's the mindful awareness that makes the difference. So we have a choice of bringing the gift of presence to our uh, relationships near or far, a soft, receptive presence filled with ease and kindness and interest, curiosity, love, compassion, all these beautiful qualities so that another being can rest and just be themselves. And we can be a support. I'm also thinking of another um, story of a friend of mine, the first day of school was this week uh, for many children all over the country. And his um, middle school son had his uh, first day on Zoom, you know, in middle school. And this young man um, was so bereft and so anxious and angry and unhappy with it and just raged, you know. And my friend was saying, I've got to go to work in the next room. You know, I'm, I'm working 10 hours today and he's got to do middle school. And, you know, and, and so um, the challenge of really allowing ourselves to be with the suffering, the pain and the frustration of our loved ones as well. And the Buddhist practice, the mindfulness practice gives us the tools the resilience and the capacity to be with what is 
in a loving, supportive, and kind way. So uh, the Buddha talked about right speech in the Eightfold Path. And what the Buddha said was, we as practitioners are mindful and we refrain from false speech, uh, divisive speech, harsh, harsh speech, lying, attacking, uh, dividing communities, and idle gossip. Looking at the time. Idle gossip. And uh, if you notice, not so easy. Not so easy to do any of those. Not so easy. And, and if you're practicing for a while, this also reflects your value, how you want to conduct yourself with others, how you want to be in relationship. What the Buddha didn't do so much, and he did and he didn't in a funny way, but it, there, the instruction manual for right speech, uh, he didn't really provide a deep instruction manual. And so um, it is incumbent on us to find a way to work with this uh, particular invasive, invasive 24 seven thing we do, which is communicate internally and externally. And what the Buddha did say was um, that mindfulness, sati, and sati means to remember, is both internal and external that our awareness is in two directions. It's in to feel and sense what's going on in here and to feel and sense what's going on out here and to know the other person, to care, to know, and to find that balance between the two. So uh, he invites us to bring our awareness to envelop self and other. Um, so I wanna talk about how a little bit in the time that I have left to begin the dialogue on it. And um, I have studied intensely for a million years, a lot of teachers on mindful communication, and I will name a few. And I have named a few over the years, so you know what I'm referring to. One of them is my dog, <laughs> you might be hearing right now. Um, but Gregory Kramer is a great Buddhist teacher on mindful communication. Marsha Linehan um, and Juliana is here from Dialectical Behavior Therapy. Uh, Marshall Rosenberg, um, Oren Sofer, Donald Rothberg, Martin Buber, and Almas, A.H. Almas, to name a few. Um, from, and um, Marshall Rosenberg is the founder of Nonviolent Communication, which many of you have um, studied as well. So I um, was drawn to this subject because of a pattern that started at a very young age, right around the time where I was invited to be on Romper Room. Um, and uh, that is, and some of you may have a pattern like this, where um, as a little, little girl, I looked around the room um, and noticed suffering in the house. Anybody notice suffering in your house from a young age, right? Lots of suffering. I could see the suffering, I could feel the field. And like a child that's quite narcissistic and grandiose, I wanted to alleviate the suffering. 
And my decision was, um, and you know what? I'm going to stop and let the dog communicate. Give me a moment. Apologies. <laughs> Mindful communication of pets. So, so I look around and what happens um, is I, I think I can alleviate the suffering by entertaining, joking, laughing, a little tap dance. You know, if I can say the right thing and entertain everyone, then there'll be no suffering. So this was a pattern. And many of you may have um, a pattern like this of relational field of already going outside of yourself to see how the other person is and not connecting inside so that you can control or fix or shape the other on a very unconscious level. You know, going outside with an agenda and not even knowing you have one from early childhood patterns. And there are many variations on this theme that we can get into, um, but we're not. I'm just bringing up how a pattern happens and you get stuck. So if you hear me telling a lot of jokes, you know I'm in an old pattern, <laughs> You're right? You know, uh, and this is where the mindfulness can come in and bring back the balance and ease. So I created um, a template for myself of practice that I've been working with for many, many years. Some days are better than others. And sometimes I forget and sometimes not, um, but it's actually an acronym and the acronym is called Don't Laugh. It's called PARROTS, P-A-R-R-O-T-S, because I can remember that. Um, and it's as if this imaginary, you know, um, intention is sitting here, you know, an intention to practice in wise speech. I intend, there's an intention, whether it happens, I don't know. So I'm gonna go through it with you and um, we will have lots of time as a community to unpack it. So the first one, and, and certainly uh, Marshall Rosenberg, Gregory Kramer and um, Marshall Linehan are, you know, I, I've, I've taken from everyone on this. The first one is pause. You've heard it before that we can slow down the momentum of habit, the habit mind, right? Um, by just pausing. And Oren Sofer um, has a great line. He says, one breath can change what you say next. One breath can change what you say next. Pause is a beautiful mindfulness instruction. Take a breath stop because you stop the momentum of reactivity and habit rushing 
wanting, not focusing, just pause. And what comes next is the A is allow the body in the field of awareness, allow the body, pause, feel the body. This, the body, sensing your body brings you here and now. It's, it's just, and this is the first foundation of mindfulness. Feel your feet, feel your legs, feel your spine, your sit bones, your arms, your hands. Uh, if you can do that with another, you're already dropping into the internal, to being here. And if you can be here in the body, it's so amazing how you can be with the other at the same time. Here in the body, sensing the body, it opens the field to receive another. You're out of your agenda and head. So pause. Allow the body in the field of awareness. Feel and sense the body. And then relax. Relax, soften. And Gregory Kramer um, has most beautiful writings just on one word, relax. And I um, really admire his teachings. And what he says is, <clears throat> speak from a relaxed body and a relaxed mind. Let down, let go. When we relax, we release reactivity automatically. Um, we, re, we recognize the tension and we move towards ease. And we learn to choose ease over and over again. And ease in the body really helps communicate well with others. And you're tight and tense and your muscles and your face is all scrunched up. People don't quite receive you in the way when the body is relaxed and with ease. This is from um, uh, Aya Sanchita. She says, the Buddha said that everything we need to awaken is right here in this fathom long body. But most people I know have a lot of difficulty being in their body. That presents a bit of a problem. If the main teaching is here in the body and we can't be with our body, how do we access that teaching? How can we start developing a relationship with our body that is kind, friendly, and curious so we can learn from it? So pause, allow the body in the field of awareness, come into the body, Relax, relax, and find ease. And the next one is release. Release this person from wanting, judgment, evaluating, and comparing. Release. Let go of what you want. If you can let go what you want, what happens naturally is you open. And that's the next part of the acronym, open. Open to what is here now as a question. What's here? Bring curiosity. What's really here with this beautiful being in front of me? I'm open. I'm aware internally, externally, I'm open to this moment. And um, if I'm open, 
The next one is T, tap into kindness. That's our practice is kindness. But kindness goes two ways. Kindness is internal and kindness is external. Sometimes when we're talking to people, we uh, need to give ourselves compassion and kindness because it's difficult. There are difficult conversations that we need to have. Maybe we need to say no or assert ourselves or set a boundary or um, politely and lovingly disagree or make a very difficult request. We often need to give ourselves the kindness and compassion to stay in our body and be with the difficulty. You know? Sometimes we're giving people bad news. So the compassion is internal and the compassion and kindness is external. And we, we speak with kindness, we extend kindness, we radiate metta, loving kindness as a practice in Buddhism. And the last one is for S, it's to soften. Soften your eyes, soften your face, soften your body. Stay mindful, but soften. So there's much to practice here. But if you can remember and recall um, the conversations and people you love the most, who did you love talking to? Who did you love being with? Who, what was your favorite conversation? Um, very often it's people who embody much of what we just discussed. They don't have an agenda for you. They listen deeply. They're soft and kind. They're gentle. They have a bit of a sense of humor. They care deeply. They're calm. There is just nothing like being with someone bringing calm and ease into a room, yeah? And we can be that person, but imperfectly, and it takes a lot, and it's all practice. So we will have an opportunity to practice together um, Tuesdays, if you can make it, um, on that Wednesday evening, I think I said the 17th, right? 16th, and we'll have more. We're, we'll have imaginary parrots on our shoulder <laughs> and work with the Buddhist teaching so that when we are on and off the cushion, we are practicing all the time. And with that, I will say goodbye to you, dear Sangha. It's been lovely to be with you. I'm sad to go, and I hope to see you all soon. Take good care. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.